All right. Today is October 12th, 2019, and welcome to Arkansas, really, for the first time, Richie Stearns and Rosie Newton. Nice to have you both here. All right. Thank Thank you you very much. Uh, We were talking a little bit earlier in the day. Rosie, I guess this is really your first time in Arkansas proper, and Richie, you were here for a fleeting moment many years ago. That's right. I hitchhiked through Arkansas on my way to Austin, Texas. Now, you mentioned that was back in the early 70s, and it was quite a different time. Folks were actually hitchhiking then, and it was uh, kind of an okay thing to do for the most part. I had a banjo with me, and it always helps. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about those days. Um, How old were you when you were doing that, and sort of what was going on back then? Oh, my gosh. Well, I was 15. Um, I think, who was president then? Ford. Yeah, that's right. right. Ford was president. I was going down to Austin to check out the music scene there. Um, when I was, even when I was that young, I was into old time fiddle music, and uh, the the man that grew up as my father figure, uh, the man that I grew up with uh, as my father figure, uh, came to Texas every year to get away from the cold, and he took some of the kids with him one year, and. I got to go on that trip. So did you make it to Austin? Yeah, I did. And? It was awesome. I had a blast. <laughs> so much uh, fun. That was sort of right around when uh, the whole Armadillo, what was that place called? Yeah, Armadillo World Headquarters. Yeah. I played there. Yeah, it's when Willie Nelson and all the yeah. sort of outlaw country thing was going That's on. That's right. There. And the, they had Willie Nelson's Fourth of July picnic and stuff like that going on. Down yeah, I went to a few of those yeah. before it sort of got a little commercial. Out of hand, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And out of hand, right? Yeah. It was super fun time. It's a lot of good... Uh, a lot of good music in Austin back then. Yeah, and boy, has that town changed. Yeah, it was a tiny town then. This is a small grief. town. It's so much different. Uh, Rosie, uh, this is your first time here to Arkansas, and I know you guys call uh, Ithaca, New York home. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about the old-time traditional scene up there from, from your perspective. Um, well, I, I guess I first heard about Ithaca... Um, when I was about 15, I was playing a uh, large dance festival in Saratoga Springs, New York, and Richie's band, The Horseflies, came to that uh, festival, and I got to sit in with them a little bit as the younger generation. And um, anyway, that was the first, one of the first introductions to old-time music from Ithaca specifically. Um, and if you have heard The Horseflies, uh, you may... Um, understand what I'm explaining here, but basically it's a, um, I'd say it's kind of the ultimate style, the ultimate Ithaca style. It's, it's kind of the farthest that it's progressed, I would say in a certain way, um, in that it's very, um, um, every tune goes on for very much longer than normal, you know, so one tune might last 10 minutes and that's maybe partially because of the, um, playing for dances, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of Yeah, that. And, it, and just sort of the hypnotic quality of, yeah, of so, old-time music, you know. We, we wanted to get into the trance of it. Yeah. Yeah, so that really struck me as different than um, kind of just playing tune after tune. and um, uh, But so, you know, there's that quality and then kind of the reggae, um, more rhythmic quality to the music from... <laughs> um, it's true. Sort of an African, more of an African really? influence. Mm-hmm. Um uh, the correct tones and just kind of, uh, I think through the years that have been, 
there have been bands who have influenced that. Even the Highwood String Band, um, mm. in their own way, just had um, were played really fast and driving um, in this rhythmic way that um, it was kind of new for its time and different than necessarily what was going on down here. Slightly different in a way that kind of bloomed into some a different style, basically. I wonder how that sort of... Um say it had maybe a more international flair. You mentioned yeah. reggae. I wonder mm. if that's due in part just because you're of the proximity to a exactly. big city like yep. New York. Yeah, yeah, and Cornell University is in Ithaca, and so there was a lot of international communities came together there. Yeah. And I think, you know, during during the 70s when old-time music was kind of coming back, the revival of it, um, up in Ithaca, the old-time music was very much respected and the tradition of it, but it was also a little more okay to, to lean a different direction than it would have been, you know, down, down, here, south, down and, south at the time. Yeah. And so we allowed other influences to kind of creep in and still tried to hold on to the, the respected nature of where it came from and such. Now I remembered who I was thinking of earlier today. Oh. I'm not meaning to put you on the spot because you may <laughs> have never even heard of the group I was trying to remember. <laughs> But it was the Howlin' Brothers. Yes, the we, Brothers, we do sure. know them. They actually traveled with us in Germany. Oh, we wow. did a couple years ago. Them we did Germany. them. They're great. Yes, super great. So did my reference of sort of blues totally. and on the banjo. That's Completely right. Exactly right. Uh, what was the fellow's name? Um, oh boy, now you are putting now us you're on putting spot. us on the spot. Um, I can't. I can't remember either. No. We'll, I'll find it and edit it yeah. in later. You'll have to edit That's out good. the fact that we don't remember. <laughs> yeah, because we're actually That'd be really nice. I mean, look, they've been here <laughs> twice and I can't remember, but oh I remember Jared was the one Jared that dances and plays guitar. And That's right. Our friend who's I'm even Ian. closer with Ian. Yeah, that's right. Ian's the banjo player. Ian is the banjo player, and Jared plays guitar. Yeah, I first saw them. Yeah. Uh, do you guys ever go to that Folk Alliance? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. went and I just happened to see. Uh, them performing cool or walk and uh, walk by one of those you know million hotel yeah. rooms oh my gosh it's, you mean, know it seems so pointless to go to those things sometimes but that's how we got that tour to germany with them it yeah. was probably was, that same year that well same i mean year. i go there as a you know as a yeah. booking agent yeah. so it's right important. yeah i know it does seem like you're you know excuse the phrase sort of weeing into the wind yeah a little yeah, bit. yeah. Meat yeah was, you feel a little yeah. bit irrelevant at the time <laughs> yeah but yeah, there's like two people in a Hotel. Yeah. It's oh, such a man. weird setting. Like two yes. o'clock in the morning. But stuff comes <laughs> yeah. out of it. But anyway, I heard. Anyway. Uh, I was like, hey, "That is an interesting banjo yeah. sound he's got yep. going." Yeah. He's bending things and yep. yes, playing flat right. thirds and that's right. you know all that kind of stuff. But anyway, yeah. So that's who I was thinking of uh, cool. from upstate New York. That's right. Um, that's interesting, though. I didn't know there was that sort of international influence in that mm-hmm. neck of yeah. the woods. Yeah. Isn't that funny and. True. Uh, Richie, I was looking over, sort of doing my intensive research <laughs> for this, uh, and I saw you're a pretty well-traveled guy. Uh, your discography and uh, folks you played with, I guess it's no surprise that that sort of international sound finds its way up there, because you've done a lot of that yourself. Yes. Tell me true. a little bit about that. Well, um, when we were coming up in the old-time music scene, we started traveling to festivals a little bit. And one of the ones we went to was on Croton on the Hudson. It was the Clearwater Festival that Pete Seeger used to have there. And uh, for us, that was the first international music festival that we had gone to. And uh, we kind of wanted to go home and model 
a festival after that, you know, and we did. We started a festival in 1990 in Ithaca called the Finger Lakes Grassroots Festival of Music and Dance, and we started it to raise money for AIDS awareness at the time uh, when when there was a need for that. And uh, But we modeled it after the Croton Festival, and we... we uh, in. We invited and hired bands from all over the world to come to that festival to play, and uh, 10,000 Maniacs were there. That was one band that I ended up touring with for a while after that. And uh, But like bands like Thomas Mufumo and uh, uh, Tenaroin, a lot of really great bands from around the world have been coming there. We've been doing that for 30 years this year. Wow. Um, and touring with the Horseflies, we were a band that came out originally as an old-time band, and then we morphed into a more new wave almost. You know, Talking Heads was more of an influence for us, as well as Tommy Gerald. So kind of trying to balance that strange connection between Tommy Gerald and wow. Talking Heads, you know? That's, yeah, that's, oh, I mean, that's 180, man. Yeah, yep. 180. But it's amazing how the hypnotic quality of both of those musics in the rhythms and stuff uh, are so related. And Do you ever listen to uh, like uh, Junior Kembro or R.L. Burnside's? Yeah, R.L. Burnside stuff? for yeah. sure. Yeah, that North Mississippi style too is real, fantastic, real hypnotic. Um, so I was listening to you guys. You know, of course, listen to a recording or something online, but actually hearing you play live is completely different mm -hmm. which is a good plug to remind folks go out and see a, oh, yeah. a live show yeah, uh, yeah because... youtube don't believe what you see on youtube <laughs> right. man there's so many recordings of us that we've never seen or that some drunk person with you know <laughs> barely could hold their cell phone was holding up you know so yeah. Yes, anyway, it's we not, Rosie, not here. Rosie next to a drunk person's thumb on the camera lens. Yeah, right. <laughs> not always an accurate <laughs> representation. But yeah, Maybe please not. come out and see us live. That's yeah, but I was noticing um, how sort of easy and natural you all blend vocally and instrumentally. Mm. Um, that's, I mean, we have a lot of groups here, and some just have a, a more easier sound mm. uh, and natural yeah. fit to my ear. Mm -hmm. Um, so when did you guys sort of notice that it was a good pairing? Hmm. Um, well, we started playing music together about 12 years ago and we had a band called the evil city string band and, um, love playing music with those folks, but, uh, realized that it was easier to travel as a duo. It is. Um, so we, we kind of started that about 11 years ago and, um, I think pretty much, you know, a duo is very ex exposing. So you kind of can do it or you can't. Yeah. You know, in my opinion, it was kind of like as a performer, either it comes across or it doesn't come across to the audience. So yeah. I felt like it came across and that was. Yeah, when we were in the Evil City band together, um, we worked a lot with trying to be aware of dynamics on stage and to bring things up and down. And Rosie brought so much to that when she joined our band. And I think that's when our relationship started to develop because we, we try to be very intuitive and really listen each time we play together to, to balance our dynamics and how we might want to present the tune. It's not the same every night. We try to just listen to each other and play off of each other much as possible so when you're sort of arranging tunes and you've been at it together as a duo now for a while 
-hmm. Do you still have to have conversations about, you know, the the harmony part or who's going to cover this or how did the melody lines mesh with the accompaniment or is it, Um, is it still, is it, organic and There's natural and you just kind of work talking through it. as there used to be so. yeah <laughs> no it's it's it is fairly organic at this point it really is yeah and, uh, we struggled with that a little bit in the beginning but i think we have a pretty natural sense of how what we each bring to it at this point yeah we really know how to play off each other um background wise i've noticed one thing and i don't think this is pertains to either of you but here I'll but I'll get around to why I mentioned this. <laughs> I want to mention something that has no relation to you, but um, especially with a lot of younger uh, performers, we see a lot of folks these days, thirty and younger maybe, who have a background in like punk or yeah. heavy music, yeah. and they make the transition to folk. Yeah. Um, Richie, I don't know if it sounds like from just what we were talking about earlier, you did not go through that phase. You sort of. I went the other way. Oh, really? I started in old time, you know, when I was a kid, and then I did transition towards punk and played in a punk band and, uh, you know, played banjo in a punk band, but, and then came back to the. Wow, so you've lived two full lives. Yeah, (laughs) at least. Yeah. What about you, Rosie? Um, I did not play punk music as much i definitely i grew up playing scottish and irish music more so i came from that side of things more um was that something that was in your family or yeah my mother's a a cellist and she plays scottish music on the cello abby newton and so i grew up going to music parties and playing a bit of old-time music and celtic music and um but um but then coming into the old time tradition, a lot of my friends were into punk music, so I, I kind of got into it through them. But um, but you had more, it sounds like it. more of a traditional background Yes, mm-hmm. coming up. Um, so, uh, Richie, I'm curious, um, knowing the era that you sort of came up in and sort of those transitions you mm-hmm. went through musically, who were you listening to as a youngster and then maybe on that second go around, mm. that uh, as a frailing banjo players, who sure. was catching your ear? Yeah, um, Wade Ward and Tommy Gerald. Um, there was a guy named Al Tharp who played in a group called the Plank Road String Band in Lexington, who uh, showed me a lot of stuff when I was first learning. Um, uh, George Pegram was a banjo player that I saw, the first banjo player I saw, I think in 1971 at the Union Grove Festival. Um, But also the recordings of like Doc Boggs and uh, some of the the more three-finger style old-time players, you know? Um, Yeah. And then after that, I mean, I kind of went back to that, really, to that same kind of influence. Um, I've just always really liked the driving quality of of clawhammer banjo behind fiddle playing, and been lucky enough to be in bands with really powerful women playing old time fiddle my whole life. So, yeah, kudos, good. Yeah, good for you. lucky <laughs> me. Tell so. me, I'm curious too uh, a little bit about your banjos. Mm. Um, they seem are they a li- is it a maybe a half 
or is it a quarter scale smaller or something or maybe it is i, I mean there the the main one that i play was made in 1881 oh wow by a man named henry dobson or his company and the other one that i had today was one that's a copy of that that a danish banjo maker made for me um he took apart my my old dobson and copied all the parts and put it back together but it's it's a spun over is what they call it so it's like a, a wood rim with um nickel plated brass spun over it and then like there's a tone ring in it and a goat skin head on it and very high action heavy strings that's how so you get your tone that's how i get my tone it's very thumpy and rhythmic and hard to play for people that don't like yeah, it's funny. Action. I was listening when you guys were doing the sound check, and I wondered, God, does it almost sounded like you had a guitar string mm -hmm. uh, up there just because the sound was so fat. Yeah, right? they are guitar strings. Are they really? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, there yep. you go. You got well, it. Well, and then speaking Good of year. yeah, and speaking <laughs> of Austin, you know, um, I mean, you're talking about high action, heavy strings, solid mm -hmm. tone. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's uh, when I was growing up. I, I had a phase like a lot of guys my age did of listening to Stevie Ray Vaughan and right. that was the key to a lot of the key to his sound. That's exactly right. Exactly. So, Heavy strings so you can hit it hard and still get a good tone that doesn't fall apart. And know? nobody asked to borrow your banjo. That's true. <laughs> or they try it for a second and then they give it back and go, well, how do you play this thing? It's like driving a truck. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah exactly. Like that's yeah, exactly like, why I like it. It's yeah. because it's like driving a truck. Well, it is... I. I noticed immediately, mm -hmm. you know, the tone and the and the sound there. Yeah. So, and then uh, Rosie, tell me a little bit about your fiddle. Um, it was made in about 1860, 18, yeah, around there. Um, it's a French fiddle that I found. Um, our dear friend Steve, who is in that Evil City String Band, is also a luthier, and he uh, came across the fiddle and did some work on it. Had to open it up a little bit and. Um, Anyway, he he knew it was my fiddle before I did, so he like, all right, here's your fiddle. Yeah, so, it's, a, it's amazing the sort of relationship you develop with yeah, the instrument. It's yeah. Before I had a baby, I had uh, dreams about um, being apart from my fiddle. Now I have about you know losing <laughs> my baby or whatever. But <laughs> those hard hard dreams. But uh, yeah, I'm very uh, once you find your instrument, it's special thing well so. let me ask you about that you're traveling around with the little one these days mm -hmm. alec um that is uh, a paradigm shift i guess in a number of ways so yes. how's that going it's going well so far yeah it's um i think it's more um meaningful in a certain way and also harder so um it's trying a good to do challenge. it all it is a great a, a change. Good challenge. Good yeah, challenge. It's awesome. Super um, good challenge. All right. A couple more questions. Um, I want to ask you. I so when we the interview segment, uh, we'll take all your brilliant commentary and sort of weave that in between yeah. the songs. Cool. Uh, so maybe each of you could just tell me a tune in the set list uh, that you're just particularly enjoying playing these days. Um, let's see. Because I know it's cyclical. Yeah, right? Yeah, that's true. Uh, maybe Waterbound. Uh, and I yeah. Can't Get Across. Yeah. Yeah, Waterbound is great. And then... Um, yeah, that's a great tune. That one, a friend of ours, Dirk Powell, wrote the words to that. 
and uh, adapted it from an old time song into a uh, to make it a song of his own. It's a very beautiful version. And uh, we heard that and started playing it the way Dirk does. And then we changed it a bit and changed the chord structure a little bit. My thing Kept is, the words. The, do I have the lyric right? It's like <clears throat> waterbound, I can't get across. That's, that's the original. The traditional okay. one. That's the traditional yeah. one. Okay. Yeah. So it's this similar idea. This one Dirk wrote is, is more about, it's, it's more about a, it's about that, being though. on the on the on the other side of the river from where you want to be, but it's more metaphorical. Metaphorical. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I was really going to say is. I have that literally. I live on a creek here, and uh, yes. when we get rain, yes. I'm waterbound. I can't get yes, across. Exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. Well, it works that way too, for sure. Uh, all right. Yeah, what about another tune? Nowhere in time or. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, Nowhere in Time is one uh, that I wrote. It's a song that I wrote uh, that I was, um, It's you know, it sounds a little bit like a traditional tune. It's claw hammer and fiddle and such. Um, but it's one that I wrote for the AA, AARP. I heard you mention <laughs> yeah, that earlier. They commissioned me to write it. And uh, they wanted me to write a song about uh, people over 50 reinventing their lives and... Uh, you know, it, it was a hard subject in a way, but it was one that I could relate to, being over 50 and trying to invent my life still. But um, I don't know. I just I just found that song. It just kind of came out of needing to write a song. And a lot of the songs I write, I don't even really know what they're about when I write them, and I find out what they're about over time, you know, and that's one of them. And it's it's turned into a, a real fun one for us to play. Rosie brings so much to it. She brings, you know, incredible, powerful harmonies and and counter melodies and such to it. And it, it's it's just become one that we play all the time. Excellent. Well, I have to say, um, for not having been to for not having been to Arkansas before, musically, uh, you guys seem really at home here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we feel that way, so uh, that's nice. A lot of the sort of musical vernacular and the songs, yeah. mm-hmm. they're all, uh, what I heard you doing, it's familiar to yeah. what we do here. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. so we're really glad to bring you guys here. Uh, obviously, folks want to find out what you're up to, where you're going, where you've been. Yeah. Richie and Rosie in the Google machine, and oh, there yeah. you are. Yep, we'll pop up. We're right there, yeah. And... Uh, I didn't get a chance to listen to it, but I do have to mention a brilliant title on your record from 2013, Tractor Beam. I oh, just yes. A nice play on words there. <laughs> yeah, thank There's you. There's a little song on there called Tractor yeah. Beam. So. so check that out. And um, again, nice meeting you guys. Uh, continued success. Thank, thank you, you so, so very much. much. We're happy to be here. This.